Well, amen. It's good to be here tonight. I'm glad you're here on this Wednesday night. And uh, if you'll turn with me to James chapter number one, and I do have a couple prayer requests as we're turning there. James chapter um, number one, I do want to ask you to continue uh, to pray for Wayne Raymer, which is Amanda Daniels' uh, father. He's been um, in the hospital for a while now and has uh, uh, been put on a feeding tube. We're praying for him. was by to see, there, see him last week. If you would, just add him to your prayer list if you have not already. And then if you would, pray for uh, Helen Marshall. I talked to her. and She's just having some um, health issues. So if you would, be in prayer um, for both of them. And then, of course, uh, many other of our shut-ins, Bill and Betty Poe, and uh, Barbara and Raymond and others, um, I would ask you if you would pray uh, for them. Tonight, we're back in the auditorium together. We finished <clears throat> our small group season for that, the last eight weeks. And um, tonight, we're going to begin a new series just on some things for the next eight weeks that every Christian um, should know. And I want to tell you what we're going to be studying. Uh, tonight was supposed to be the assurance of salvation, um, but we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, so we switched. Uh, so they're kind of out of order, but we're gonna, tonight we're going to study on what, what to do uh, when we're tempted. And then we're going to look at assurance of salvation. If you've ever doubted, or how do we explain to someone that is maybe doubting um, their salvation? How can you be sure that you're saved? And I'm looking forward to that. Um, Steve's going to be teaching in just a few weeks on what, what happens when a Christian sins. Even though we've received God's grace, what does that look like? What actually happens um, when we sin? We're going to look at the eternal security of a believer. We're going to look at how to handle fear. Um, what does real faith look at like? What, are, uh, what does the Bible say concerning spiritual gifts and then discerning the will of God? We're looking forward um, to all of these and then we'll go back in September, October uh, into our, it's hard to believe that we're already talking about September, October, as hot as it is today, um, but then we'll go back into our small groups and of course have many other classes there. But tonight we're going to talk about temptation, James chapter number one. Let's read verses 13 through 18 and then we'll begin uh, to work through this tonight. James chapter number one and verse number, uh, verse number 13. James one, look at verse number 13. It says this, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of, and I want you to notice this word, his own lust and entice. Look at verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for our church tonight. Lord, I thank you for the, the music, Lord, and that we can worship tonight. Lord, I pray that you would teach us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would bless us. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to learn, to be challenged through the teaching and the preaching of your word. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Um, when it comes to temptation, I, I, we all, we know this, we face it every single day of our lives. And the question comes up right off the bat is does does God tempt us? Is it, who is it that is tempting us? Is, is it Satan? Is it God? There are places in scripture where it seems like um, God is tempting someone or it, that language is even 
used. And the book of James here in, in a couple different spots talks about the mature person being patient through trials. And sometimes uh, trials, if you will, are testings on the outside or could be temptation on the inside. Now the word tempt in scripture has two different meanings. God tempted Abraham, it says, in Genesis chapter number 22. Now, when, when it says that God tempted Abraham, it's not that God tempted him to sin. It's that God basically was giving him some sort of test, okay? It wasn't tempting him to do something wrong. It was more of a testing of him. Man, he, 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 he was using uh, this trial to show him in the depth of the power of Abraham's faith and the power of God. Now, tempt also ha- has the meaning of this in thir- verse number 13 of our text. That, that w- what we're going to talk about is, uh, is, is if, 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 if God is tempting you, it's a trial. It's not to get you to sin. Okay, That's what our text is specifically saying. So the word tempt sometimes in Scripture can simply be a trial. Okay, It's not being a tempted to sin. It's a test sent by God. Now, temptation may be sent by Satan and encouraged by the flesh. So in verses 13 through 15 here, we're, we're going to see the sources of evil. And then in verses 15 through 18, the sources of good. We're going to talk about temptation tonight. Now, how many of you face temptation every single day? I know I do. Man, not a day goes by that we don't face temptation. Man, not a day goes by where we aren't tempted to do something that we should not do. If we are not careful, though, those trials that aren't temptations, you know what they can become? Those trials on the outside, if we're not careful, can become temptation on the inside. When times are tough, we may find ourselves, if you're like me, man, beginning to complain or blame God or question His love and as a result resisting His will. So I want to just teach tonight on this simple thought, how can we overcome temptation? Good versus evil. Now for me, a lot of times when temptation comes, guess what ends up happening? And I end up falling to it. Um, the Lord's Prayer even, he, he, and you've heard me talk about this a lot if you've heard me preach at all. He, he, part of the Lord's Prayer is this, lead me not into what? It doesn't say help me overcome temptation. It, no, it says lead me not into temptation. I believe part of the reason it says that, we ought to pray that every day, is because this. The truth of the matter is our flesh is weak, our spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. If temptation does come, a lot of times we end up falling into it. So I want us to notice a couple things about temptation, some things we should consider daily when we are tempted. The first thing, verses 13 through 16, I want you to notice this. Consider God's judgment. Consider God's judgment. Look at verse number 13. Keep your Bibles open. Look at it. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is a drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then here it is, verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? You're going to have to help me out tonight. I know it's Wednesday night and it's hot. It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, what does it bring forth? It brings forth death. 
Man, so he says this. Man, we have that desire sometimes. And man, that desire's in front of us. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Now, when we hear the word lust, we automatically think of sexual sin. But that's not necessarily what it's talking about here. It's a kind of desire. It's wanting anything else, anyone else, anywhere else. It's wanting things that God forbids, okay? So lust isn't just sexual sin. Man, it's that desire, the normal desires of life. Now listen to this. The normal desires of life are given to us by God and in and of themselves are not sinful. Without these desires, we would not function. So think with me here. Unless we are hungry or thirsty, we wouldn't eat or drink. Unless you're like me, I eat sometimes when I'm not hungry. Somebody help me, okay? But because we're hungry, what do we do? We eat. Because we're thirsty, we drink, okay? Uh, Sex is a gift given by God. That is a normal desire, a God-given desire. Without it, the human race would not exist. Here it is. It's when we want to satisfy these desires outside of God's will and His plan and His intention that we get into trouble. So think about this. We don't like to hear this one as Baptists. Eating is normal. But you know, gluttony is a sin. It's going outside of what God had intended. Now, you don't hear a lot of preaching on gluttony. You know why? Because we don't like that kind of preaching. It's a whole lot easier to preach against things that we might not struggle with. But anytime we take a good thing and take it further than God intended, it's a sin. Now, sleeping, it's normal. It's something that we must have. And I wish I could get some. Somebody help me tonight, okay? Man, sleeping is normal. But laziness is a sin. Some try to become spiritual by denying normal desires. You know, that does not make you spiritual. The secret is this. It's control. These desires must be our servants and not our masters. And we can only do this through Jesus Christ. Y'all remember in Romans chapter number 7, we're not going to turn there. I've preached out of it a lot. That's that passage that Paul wrote when he, he'd been saved for 20 years. Romans chapter number 7, verses 14 through 23. And he says, he says the things I do want to do, what does he say? I don't do them. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing them. And he comes, he, he works through this whole thing where he's frustrated. He ends up falling, he ends up messing up. And then in chapter 8, verse number 1, he says this, the only way that I can overcome these things isn't by my flesh, it's not by my hard work, it's not by my standards, it's through Jesus Christ. That battle of the flesh and spirit. Look at verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, and then notice these two words, and enticed. This carries the idea here of deception. You know, no temptation appears as deception. Many times when that temptation comes, it it seems more alluring than it really is. Drawn away here carries the idea of being like a trap. You know what I mean? Like a baiting of a trap. And enticed in the original Greek means to bait, literally means to bait a hook. Now, no animal is going to go and see a trap and just step into that trap on purpose, right? I mean, that's crazy. They're not going to, no, what ends up happening? I mean, over here, I remember we used to have a mice problem back in the day. And Pastor Stewart, he's no hunter, but he decided, you know what he was going to go on a hunt for? Mice. And he'd get all fired up, and he'd get these mouse traps, and he'd put peanut butter and cheese and all this stuff in there. Why? Because if he got that, 
it would fake that mouse out, and what was going to happen? That mouse would be going for something that would look good, and then all of a sudden, man, that piece of metal is going to come down and what? Break its neck. That's the idea here. That's what temptation does. Man, it's deception, and when we give in to the temptation, although it may look good, it may seem like it's going to taste good, you know what the end result is? Man, the end result is death. It's kind of like this. If you hunt at all, and I like to hunt, man, we put out, I've already started putting out corn out. Now this feeder where corn's going to come out so that that deer for the next three months, you know what it's going to do? All the way till September, every single day in the morning and the evening, you know what that deer's going to do? He's going to go and he's going to eat out of that feeder not knowing that Lord willing, come September 8th, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be an arrow that's going to go and it's going to go right through him and guess what's going to happen? He's going to die. You know sin's the same way and some of us, what we'll do, and I've been guilty of this before, man, it'll look good and we'll keep going back after it and we'll keep returning to that same place not realizing that eventually uh, it, we're deceiving ourselves and Satan's deceiving us and at the end of the day it's going to bring forth death. We've got to get a hold on it. We've got a grip on it. We've got to get a grip on it. We've got to decide we're not going to be dumb like that deer and not fall for Satan's trap. You know Satan tonight would love nothing more than to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your family. Man, he wants to destroy what's going on in our church. Man, he wants to destroy, man, the fact that we follow Jesus and the fact that people are getting saved and the fact that, listen, he wants to destroy your marriage relationship. He wants to destroy your good Christian relationships. You know what he's going to do? He's not going to, you're not just going to see what he's doing all the time in your life. He's going to make it look good. He's going to set a trap that says, oh, man, if you just give in a little bit, if you just go, but can I just remind you, when it happens, man, just like that animal ends up dead, man, that sin in our lives ends up hurting us. No animal is going to step into a trap on purpose. No fish is going to bite that hook on purpose. The idea here is this, man, there's a deceiver. Temptation always carries with it something that appeals to us, looks good to us. But it also hides the fact that yielding to that desire will hurt us, trap us, and eventually bring sorrow and pain. By the way, it may even taste good for a minute. You know, that deer that's returning to that feeder, literally, when I sat down there, I had a message that there was a deer eating out of a feeder. You know what? That tastes, he goes back. Why does he go back all the time? It tastes good. Every single day. For a little bit, man, he's getting that nourishment. Man, he's getting what he wants. He's getting that little taste of it. But eventually, it's going to bring forth death. Man, that's how sin does. You know that sin does that in my life? Sin does that in your life. Man, for a while, man, it may satisfy. Man, the bait or that sin, you know what it does? It keeps us from seeing the consequences down the road. Man, I've struggled with sin before, and, man, and I've preached it before. It's an old Southern Gospel song, but sin will take us farther than we intended to go. Sin will cost us more than we intended to pay. Man, it'll keep us longer than we intended to stay. You think David, as he saw Bathsheba over there that day, do you ever think that when he looked back and the word there is gazed, do you think for a minute he would have ever dreamed that just a few days later he would have been having one of his top generals murdered? No. Man, he, what, if he would have simply just looked away and went about his business, guess what? Man, a man's life spared. The judgment of God spared. And I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that God still used David. But that doesn't mean there were still great consequences because of that. Let's turn to Luke chapter number 4 real quickly. Look at Luke chapter 4 with me. And I want to look at verses 1 through 13. Luke chapter number 4. And look at verses 1 through 13. 
Now, this is the, the passage. Many of you have probably studied this or read this before. And this is when Jesus, so I want to just look at quickly, how did Jesus, man, how did he respond to temptation? I think that's probably a good person to look at, isn't it? Like, what did he do when he was tempted? Look at James, uh, or Luke chapter number 4, look at verse number 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Look at verse 2. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. So for 40 days he's being tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And where they were ended, he afterward hungered. And this just shows the humanity of our, our Savior. And for 40 days he didn't eat. I don't know about you, but I can't go four hours. Somebody help me tonight. For 40 days, man, he's weak. Man, he's hungered. It says, it says Jesus hungered. Man, the humanity of Christ here. Look at verse 3. The devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be bread. So Satan himself, devil, the devil himself says to Jesus, after Jesus is starving, now if I'm Jesus here, I probably would have, it's a good thing it was Jesus, because I'm turning that, somebody, you know, I'm turning that, we're going to eat right now, okay? I'm God, shazam, I'm going to have a Big Mac right in my hand right there, okay? What's Jesus going to do? Man, he's got the opportunity to sin. He's been 40 days he hasn't eaten. Don't understand this. Listen, Jesus here is a, he's 100% God, but he's 100% man here. Man, he's hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And by the way, many times when we're weak, that's when Satan will attack us. When we're tired. When we're alone. Look what Jesus, how, look what Jesus does here. Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered him, saying, and if you write in your Bible, underline these next couple words, it is written. That no man shall live by bread alone, but by every word, God. You know how Jesus answered temptation? It is written. You know what he was doing? He was quoting scripture. I mean, he responded to Satan with scripture. Look at verse number 5. The devil taking him up into the mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said unto him, all this power, and this is just hilarious because the devil knew who he was dealing with. All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whosoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So Satan says, hey, if you bow to me, I'll give you all this. Look at verse 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan. Look at these next couple words. You got your Bibles open? For it is what? It is written, thou shalt worship. What is he doing? He's answering the temptation and the tempter with Scripture, look at verse number 9. And he brought him into Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be son of God, cast thyself down from hence. And look how he answered. For it is written. And then verse 12, Jesus answered unto him, and, and, and look what he says. It is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord my God. So here's the thing. If you're like me and you struggle with temptation, can I just give you some practical help? Man, if you struggle with a temptation that is sin, Okay, first of all. Now, there's some stuff that ain't sin that we, if it's sin and you know it's sin and you're struggling with it. I like what the psalmist said in the 119th Psalm. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if you struggle with something specifically, maybe you're here tonight. We all have different struggles, okay? Can I just say, if we went around the room tonight, man, there's people who struggle with anger, people that struggle with pride, people that struggle probably with lust, people that struggle with pornography, people that struggle with uh, being a Pharisee, people that may struggle with some addiction. Let's just get it all out, out on the table. We're all sinners. We all struggle tonight. So whatever it is for you, you know what we need to do? 
it, so if we really want God to help us get past those things, we need to go to the Word of God and, 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 and find the Scriptures that will help us with that struggle that we have. And this is what I'd encourage you to do practically. Take out a 3 by 5 card and get that verse about that situation that you struggle with. And take your pen out on that 3 by 5 card and write that verse out and memorize that verse. And when the tempter comes, by the way, the tempter don't come to us a whole lot because he don't need to because we, we mess it up enough on our own. But take that card out when you begin to struggle and begin to read that verse and begin to quote that verse. It's amazing when you pray and begin to quote the Bible, it's amazing what will happen. I'm telling you. When I have struggles, and I, I've had some, man, I, I try to, when it comes to anger, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And when somebody attacks me or somebody comes after me, you know what my flesh wants to do? Same things yours does. I want to get them back. I want to put them in their place. But you know what I have to think of? If I'm going to walk in the Spirit, a soft answer turn. Does everybody see what I'm saying there? Man, if you struggle with lust, man find, man, 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 find some verses and claim those verses that God will give you victory over that thing. The problem is so often we don't want to go overcome that temptation. Because if we do, you know what we'll do? We'll put the things in place. We'll put the guardrails in place. We'll put the scripture in place. Answer it with the word of God. So the first thing that, 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 that I notice is this. Consider God's judgment. Let me just say this. Sin, when it is finished, it always brings forth to death. Ever since Genesis chapter number 3, the fall of man, when, when sin came, when they gave in to the pride of life, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, sin always brings forth death in your life. It doesn't mine, and it doesn't everybody else's, okay? It brings terrible consequences. I mean, sin always brings problems. I mean, in your marriage, many times if you sin and you decide to go outside of what God's intended for your marriage, it's going to bring some problems. I mean, if you're an angry person all the time, I'll just tell you that sin that, that's angry, it's going to, that bitterness, that sin, it's going to affect those around you. It's going to affect your family. I know people right now who are so bitter and they can't forgive someone and they won't go to church, they won't worship, they won't. But it, it affects more than just you. It affects your family. It affects those around you. I mean, sin, when it is finished, it always brings forth death. And aren't you thankful that God is gracious and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Man, we've got to give it to him. I think sometimes we're scared to ask God for help. You ever think of it like we're scared? Like for me to, and I think this is why. We don't like to admit we need help. We just don't like to. Like I hate asking for directions. Anybody else like that? Thank God for smartphones. We don't have to do that anymore. But I remember the days if you got lost and your MapQuest directions, anybody remember MapQuest directions? I remember I had to do an eight-hour drive one time through four states, and it was all and it was all printed out through the Northeast. It was all printed out in paper clips in a Manila folder like this thick, so we could get to where in those map quests. You know what I'm saying? It, it just listen, it, it, I, and, and you get lost, and I'm like, me and Sarah pull into a gas station. I'm like, go ask them, you know, where we need to go. You go ask them. Here's a simple truth: we don't like to ask for help. We wait till it's too late. Man, I can't tell you how many people that I know, and I've even been this way before where, man, your marriage gets a little bit in trouble and things aren't the way they should be, and we wait till it's all the way down the road. We're already talking about divorce and separation before we just stop and say, maybe we should consider getting Christian counseling. Maybe we should consider getting help. Man, maybe we, we sit in a place so long and we're going through something, and we just, we don't like to do that. You know why? Because we have to humble ourselves to ask for help. Man, and we're, we're, our pride so often says, you know what, I got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need his help until it's too late. Man, I want to encourage you, if you're struggling tonight with something, ask God for his help. Think about this real quickly and we'll move on. 
even in life in general, how often we try to do it on our own without asking for his help. Let me just put it up for a second. Maybe you teach a kid's class. Work on you fullest kids on Sunday mornings. You know, you ask God for help as you preach and teach to them. If you don't, you know what you do, you're doing? You're saying, God, I got this. I don't need your help. Man, if you serve in some minute, maybe you're a mom or dad here tonight, and you go through your day, and today you're raising babies and you're raising kids, and you didn't stop and say, God, I need your help. You know what you're saying? God, I got this. I don't need your help. Maybe you're in a marriage, and you're married right now, and how many, if you're married, you need help. Somebody better say amen, okay? Man, I wonder if we ask God, God, we just need your help today with this. Man, he wants to help us. It takes us, hum. man, maybe you're struggling with something and you're like, it's almost like sometimes when we struggle with sin and I'm this way, like, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want to talk to God about it. Here's the thing I have to come to the realization of. You know he already knows about it. <laughs> he already knows anyways. And you know what he wants you to do? First John 1, 9, confess, <laughs> if you confess your sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you. That's part, man, he's already paid for it. Man, give it to him and ask him to help you. I have to tell you this. It's not going to go away like that. It's a daily battle sometimes. It's going to be a battle for the rest of your life until we put off this old man completely. We're going to struggle every day, and we've got to ask him to help us with it. So consider his judgment. Man, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. Notice this secondly. We need to consider, when it comes to temptation, consider God's goodness. Consider his goodness. Look at verse number 17. I don't think it's an accident that this is in the same text. Every, look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know one of Satan's tricks with us is? Man, he likes us to, he, he, he wants us to believe that God is some way holding out on us. Remember Eve in the garden? What, 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 did, what did Satan say to her? Listen, he, he's, he's like, oh, God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because if you eat of this tree, you're going to be smart. You're going to be more powerful than him and all that, right? That's what Satan tries to get us to do. Listen, you're going you're to miss out. You're, God is holding out on you. That's what he wants us to believe. Listen, in Christ's temptation, hunger, if your father really loves you, listen. But God, here James gives us four truths about the goodness of God. First of all, notice in verse number 17, God only gives good gifts. Everything good in this world comes from God. It did not come from God. It is not good. It comes from God. It must be good, even though we may not see the goodness in it immediately. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. This is awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. That's after 1 Corinthians. I'm having trouble finding it here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And look at verse number 1. It is not expedient, and this is Paul writing, and, and, and think about this. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth, knoweth such and one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And he was caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to other. And I'll have Steve teach on that sometimes, okay? Verse 5. Of such and one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Now listen to this, verse number 6. 
For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but I now forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth to be, or he that beareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, though abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So y'all remember this. Paul here is writing to the Corinthian church and saying, y'all may think I've never been through anything. That's what he's saying. And he reminds them that God had allowed, he had allowed this thorn to be in his flesh. And notice he says in verse number 8, For this thing I besought besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. What Paul's saying here is this, I went to God three times and asked him to take it away from me. I wanted him to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. Verse number 9, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my firmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then, look at it, am I strong. Listen, that thorn in the flesh that Paul had, Paul went and said, God, I want you to take this away from me. You know what God said? No, because I need you to see that my grace is sufficient for you because when you're weak, then am I strong. Paul's thorn in the flesh did not seem like a good thing, but here's the thing. It was a tremendous blessing in the end. God only gives good gifts. That's hard to wrap your mind around sometimes, isn't it? You know, I had a friend, I've shared this story before, my friend Derek Hyatt, we found out that his son, I remember Cyrus was about two years old, and they found out that he had leukemia. I remember that night as we sat at their house and we were weeping with them, and I watched Derek over the next five and ten years say, man, this leukemia that God gave Cyrus, you know what it was? This is what Derek would say, he said it was a gift of God. We were able to reach people and to minister to people and to love people that we would never... You see the perspective there? God only gives good gifts. That bad thing that you may think you've been given health-wise, that bad thing that you... Listen, God wants to use it and redeem it for His glory. He only gives good gifts. Um, Look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Look, that word cometh is present participle. It keeps coming down. He does not give occasionally. He gives constantly. And I want you to notice this thirdly tonight. Consider God's divine nature within you. So first of all, consider God's judgment. The text says consider God's goodness. And then thirdly, consider God's divine nature within. Look at verse number 18 if you still got your Bibles open. Of his own will beget he with us the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In the first part, God says, beware of judgment. Listen, if you don't handle temptation, it's going to handle you, okay? If you don't handle your sin, your sin will handle you. In the second part, he says this, look around and see how good God has already been to you. The third part here, he says this, look within yourself and realize if you've been born again, born from above, You possess a divine nature. A divine nature. Now, understand, that means that inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Uh, John chapter 1, verse number 13 says this, Which we were born not of blood, human descent, 
nor the will of the flesh, human efforts, nor the will of man, human assistance, but of God. I need to remind you tonight, if you've been truly born again, you have been born of God. And I think we forget that sometimes. I think we forget tonight the fact that if we've been saved by the grace of God, there is a divine nature that is inside of us. Man, he's, he so graciously loved us and put His Holy Spirit inside of us. His divine nature. God, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. We forget that sometimes. Man, we're getting ready to sin. When we're getting ready to be tempted, we must be reminded tonight that God is with us. He's inside of us. We are His temple. I think so often we just simply forget that God's with us. He's with you every step of the way, every minute, every second, every hour of every day. He is with you. He knows you. He sees you. He's there. I used to tell the guys, and Matt, you can come on up in a minute. We're going to do some announcements, and we'll have a quick invitation here in just a minute. I remember uh, I would tell some guys, I used to lead the, the, uh, um, our singles department at our old church. We had a lot of these young men that would struggle with pornography and stuff, and I would, we would work through it. And you say, why do you bring that up so much? Because 50% of the people sitting in this room struggle with it. That's what statistics tell us, okay? And I would tell them, guys, I said, when you get ready to go look at that thing back then, you just had to have computers. It wasn't on your smartphone all the time and stuff. It was just computers. I would say, put a picture of me right beside that computer holding my bite, my big preaching vial, and just smiling at you going like this. I said, or think of it this way. And I'm just trying to get you to think here. If I was sitting there in the room with you, standing there, you ain't going to be doing that. And this is, this is what... As I begin to think that through, here's the point. Sometimes God's presence just isn't real to us. And the reason His presence isn't real to us is because we ain't spending time with Him. Because we're spending time with Him, we understand that He's with us. E- oh, my goodness. He's with us every second of every day. Of e- That's awesome. But that should also help us. I mean, when I see that, that deer feeder, if you will, and I get ready to get over there and get me a big old scoop of corn, I need to be aware that my Savior's right there watching. Man, and He doesn't want me to go. Is everybody tracking me? All I have to do is turn around, and He'll give me the strength to walk out of those woods before that hour goes, that, that arrow goes between those two ribs. Here's the truth. It comes down to do we simply want it. Man, when I'm struggling, and I, as your pastor, I tell you this often, I struggle so often. And when I do, I have to get, make sure my quiet time gets right. I've got to make sure I'm spending time daily with God. I've got to make sure I'm in His presence and that He's with me every step of the way. And I've got to pray without ceasing. The problem is, with Christians in 2022, so often, God's not even real to us. We, we get up, and we go through our day, and it's like He doesn't even exist. Man, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. And we've got to hunger. And we've got to want it. We've got to want help. Say, God, I need your help today. God, I'm struggling with this thing. I need your power. I can't overcome this on my own. Listen, we do that through God's Word. I love Hebrews 4.12. Y'all know it. Listen to these words. For the Word of God, this book right here, it's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and spirits and the joints of the marrow. Listen, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hey, if you're struggling tonight, I want to beg you tomorrow morning, wake up and crack open this blessed book. I know it's the windy night crowd here tonight, but I'm just telling you, if you're struggling tonight, begin to feast on God's Word. There's nothing that He can't help you overcome. Hey, there's no sin that's too big for Him to help you overcome. That's good news.
news for us tonight. But so often, this is simply what we do. We don't ask Him for it. We don't ask Him. You know why? Because we don't, I think sometimes that bitterness, we don't want to get over it. I think sometimes that lust, we don't want to get over it. Man, sometimes that, that, that thing that we all, you know, that pride feels good. Listen, He wants to help you. Go to this book, and He will. Man, it'll help you see yourself for who you really are. It'll help you get through that thing. And listen, it's one of those things that we're going to struggle with. Don't y'all wish that when we got saved, we wouldn't struggle with temptation anymore? Don't you wish that? Man, I wish that I'd never have a bad thought again. I wish I'd never say a mean word again. I do. I wish I'd never get angry again. Man, I wish I'd never be tempted. Man, I think about my past sometimes, and it's not a day that goes by that I don't battle with those demons in my mind. Is anybody else? Anybody else know what? I, anybody else testify tonight? There's not a day that goes by where I don't forget. Man, somebody said, "Well, I don't go to church because I've been hurt in church." Not a day goes by in my life that I don't remember that day as an eight-year-old boy. I showed up at church, and there was a note in my daddy's office that said, "Listen, the pressure's too much. I can't take it anymore. And I don't talk about it a lot." And he took off that day. Hey, I, man, I could have an excuse tonight about. About church. I got an excuse about church hurt tonight. But I got to ask God sometimes, you know what? God, help me not to have a hard heart. God, help me not to, to hold bitterness and hold grudges. God, the only way I can overcome this, God, is, is through your grace. God, I need your grace to work in my life. That's all. That's, listen, He's the one that gives us the victory. You may be here tonight and you say, I can't get the victory over this thing. You're right, you can't. But He can. Can I just tell you that God can give you the victory over anything you're struggling with right now? If we yield to Him, if we give our heart to Him, if we pray daily. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, because it's not going to be. Man, I'm not saying that you're never going to fall, but here's the good news. A just man falls seven times, but you know what he does? He gets up again. I love it. I love what the psalmist said. He said this, his mercies are new every morning. You say, preacher, I messed up today. I gave in to temptation today. Go home, confess it, wake up tomorrow and live like it never happened and give Him glory tomorrow. You can't change yesterday. But you know what you can change? You can change today. You can't go back and change how you messed up yesterday. Oh, but I'm thankful for His grace that tomorrow I can wake up and His mercies are new. His forgiveness is real. He can give me the power to overcome. Hey, greater is He, oh my, greater is He that is in you. And he that is in the world, he can help you with it. And I was thinking about this. You know, there's no sin that he can't help a person over that's been saved by the grace of God. If we want it bad enough, if we spend time with him, if we ask him, and if we repent and turn from him. I love the fact that he forgives us, don't y'all? I love the fact that, man, I've messed up so many times in my life. But every time that I turn back to him, aren't y'all thankful tonight that he's always right there? I mean, you ever said something you just regretted? Aren't you thankful that he's not like us? Like if I say some, if I see somebody that's hurt me before, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Like, man, I want to talk to you. And they ask forgiveness. I still, you know, we're a little apprehensive, we're a little skeptical. Aren't you thankful that when we turn back to him? Listen, he's not skeptical of us. It's like it ne- it's like it never happened. Listen, if you're struggling, I just want to encourage you that go home tonight, get in the word. Tomorrow morning, wake up and start anew and ask him to help you. Now, this was supposed to be the third message because we were going to talk about assurance of salvation and eternal security, which are two things. If you're here tonight and you say, man, I don't even know what that means, you need to be here next Wednesday night. 
Man, what, we're going to talk through that. Man, how can I be sure that I'm saved? And maybe, man, I've had children. I've had adults come to me and say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. And I think I may have lost my salvation. The next two weeks, we're going to talk about some of those subjects. And I want to encourage you to be here. We should be able to answer our children. You know that? You know, it's not. And we should be able to answer those other adults and our lost friends and ourselves. Maybe you've had doubts before. Man, how can I know that I'm saved? Another one that Steve's going to be teaching on in a couple weeks, which is really good outside. So if I give in to temptation, what actually really happens when I sin? Man, does God hold that against me? Is His judgment going to come? Man, what does that look like for us? Those are all good questions we're going to answer over the next couple weeks. Um, I want us just to pray together, and then Matt's going to give us some announcements. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight, and I know it's a Wednesday night. Say, preacher, I've, man, I, I've been...